your Bibles, please, and turn to Nehemiah chapter 4 this morning. Nehemiah chapter 4. One of the tools that we use to help us to grow together in Christ is memorizing God's Word. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The psalmist also says in Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So for the next few months, we're going to be working on a passage of Scripture. That passage is found in 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 through 11, we're going to take little bites. This month we're going to take two verses. Next month we're going to take a few more verses. And we're going to get through this passage of Scripture, all right? So let me encourage you to mark this passage in your Bibles. If you'll just read it daily, it'll be a blessing to you. And it will help you to be able to put it in your mind, store it in your hearts. All right? So 2 Peter chapter 1. This month, we're going to work on verses 3 and 4, all right? Let's read these verses together. We'll say the reference, we'll read the verses, and then we will repeat the reference. Here we go. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things. by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. As I said, this is going to be part of a larger passage of Scripture. We've not done that before, but I trust that this will help us to be able to Grow together in Christ. Nehemiah chapter 4. Hand me another brick. What do I need in my life so that I can be the kind of person that God wants me to be? You know, it's a source of great encouragement to me to know that throughout all of history, God's people have been conflicted with the very same problems that constantly confront us. That tells me that there is nothing new under the sun. And I recognize that God's faithfulness to help his people through those kinds of issues throughout the centuries will be exhibited in my life to help me through my issues. We're talking about perseverance. We're talking about endurance. We're talking about running the race that is before us. We're talking about making sure that we focus on the wonder of who God is and his faithfulness evidenced in our lives. We can be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Nehemiah was given a task. I remind you that Nehemiah was very comfortable where he was. He was in Sushan, the palace. He was the king's cupbearer. Now, as the king's cupbearer, he got to taste all of the king's food. And that's not a bad thing to do because the king ate pretty well. He also was given all of the king's benefits for the king's house 
He got to ride with the king's horsemen. And Nehemiah was in a great position. He received a report that the walls of Jerusalem were beat down. The people of God were discouraged. There was no protection. And in fact, the name of God could only be found in the rubble. And so Nehemiah, with this burden, with this passion, if you will, asked God what God would have him do. You know, that's a great challenge for all of us, isn't it? When you see something that needs done, when you hear about an issue, when you discover that there is a task at hand, maybe our first response should be, God, what would you have me to do? A lot of times, ah, the trustees will take care of that. Or we'll get the preacher to announce. Or, oh, I wish somebody would fix something, but it's somebody else's job, not mine. Nehemiah knew it was his job. So he left his position with the king's blessing, traveled to Jerusalem, served the project, got the people together, and here in Nehemiah chapter 4, we discover in verse 7 that the people had a mind to work, and so it was a great undertaking that God was doing in their lives as the walls were being rebuilt. But let me tell you something about great undertakings. As soon as they start to be accomplished, an enemy comes in. Now, that enemy may be external. We've talked about Sam Bilat and, and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and all those people. Or it may be an internal enemy. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 10. The scripture says, Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Do you hear their frustration? Poor me. I'm the only one doing anything. It's beyond my pay grade. I've worked and worked and worked and nothing's happened. Do you hear that? Have you ever felt that way? I know Connie's felt that way. She feels, feels that way every day that she has to cook three meals. Cook and clean up, that's all she does. And who's around to help her? I am. I say thank you, Connie, for cooking and cleaning up. And I take out the trash. You ever felt that way? The people of Judah understand that they are the leaders, the pace setters, but yet they're discouraged. And their complaint is threefold. Number one, their strength is failing. 
Number two, there's too much rubble. And number three, nobody's helping us. Now, last week we looked at the first complaint. The strength of those who bear the burdens. You know, it's easy to get tired. It's easy to get in the place where you're just worn out. And we saw in Scripture that these folks were working from sun up to sundown. In fact, in some cases, they hadn't had any break at all to even refresh themselves. You know, being a Christian is 24-7, 365. You ever get tired of being a Christian? You ever wonder whether or not you can keep being a Christian? I am thankful that it's God who keeps me. I don't have to hold on to him. I've just finished reading Isaiah. And the prophet says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am the God. I will strengthen thee. Yeah, I will help thee. Yeah, I will uphold thee with my righteous right hand. When we get to the end of our rope, we don't have to tie a knot and hang on. Because God hangs on to us. My strength, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? You believe that this morning? It's true. You believe that God is faithful? You believe that he keeps his promises? You believe that he meets your needs? You believe he does that even when you're tired? Yeah, that's the kind of God. The second complaint was this. There's too much rubble. There's a lot of stuff in our lives. How many of you are familiar with the cartoon character Pogo? Remember, remember him? Remember him? He made an environmental statement as he went through the woods and saw all the trash in the woods. And that statement is this. We have met the enemy and he is us. You know, our biggest problem with rubble in our lives is us. My biggest problem with weight loss is me. I'm the only one who puts stuff in my mouth. I've met the enemy, and it is me. And many times we find all of these things in our lives that just litter our lives. And we never take the time to get back to the basics where we remove some things. Be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Let me give you four steps to remove the rubble in your life. Step number one, what's your goals? What do you want to do in your Christian life? What would you like to see happen? I'd like to do more Bible study. Okay, that's a good goal. I'd like to pray more. That's a good goal. I'd like to tell people about Jesus. That's a great goal. I'd like to be more faithful in Sunday school or life groups. Those are great goals. What is your goal in your Christian life? You know, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You need some goals out there. I want to fellowship more. What is your goal? Okay, that's where you start. What's your goal? Number two, 
Are you going to make your goal a priority? How important is your goal? If it happens, it happens. Okay, okay. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. And that's the way we usually live our Christian lives, isn't it? If I accidentally bump into somebody who says, can you tell me about Christ? Then maybe I'll share with them. I mean, how much of a priority is living the Christian life? How much of a priority is being with God's people? How much of a priority is worshiping God? How important is that to you? It's interesting to see who comes in late for Sunday school. Now, Sunday school starts at what time? Anybody know? 9.30, all right? How many of you who are working have to be at work before 9.30? Boy, some of you got great jobs. Maybe, maybe nobody's working. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I mean, when it's a priority, we can get there, right? When, it, when it's important. When I have a 7 o'clock tea time on the golf course, Dennis, I'll be there. Right? And so will you. Right? What's the priority in our life? How important is it? Number three, schedule. When are you going to do it? Goals, priorities, schedule. When are you going to get it done? I see people all the time in our conversation, we say, we ought to get together. How many people have you said that to that you've not gotten together with? You know why? You didn't put it on the calendar. You didn't schedule it. You didn't carve out time in your life to be part of these other people's lives. So when we're removing rubble, when we're trying to get our lives in order, we better get our schedules in order because that's when we're going to accomplish the task. And lastly, discipline. Getting it done. Doing it. It's great to have a goal. It's wonderful to make that goal a priority. To put it on the calendar is an important thing. But unless I do it, I've accomplished nothing. So, what do you want to get done in your Christian life? I've mentioned a number of things. Maybe I've not mentioned what God has spoken to you about. Make that a goal that's a priority of your life that's on your calendar and get it done. Because that's the only way it'll happen. Too much rubble. There was another complaint. And that was this. We're in this all by our lonesomes. Nobody else is working. Well, if you'd have read chapter 3, you'd have discovered that there were at least 
45 different people groups that were helping Judah on the wall. They weren't alone, but they felt like it. They had some connect. They had those who would come alongside and encourage them. But they really struggled. And you know, sometimes we all struggle, don't we? You know, as I look at churches, I find that there are at least four different types of people. There are those people that are just kind of indifferent. All right, if I go, I go. If I don't, I don't. That's no big deal. As Dennis said this morning, if I don't get a better offer, just, just kind of show up from time to time in and around things. People who are indifferent. There are people who are interested. People wonder what's going on. Uh, we've had folks who have come to Calvary Baptist Church just to see our new worship center. They're interested. Huh? That's not a bad deal. All right? If you happen to be here for that reason this morning, we're glad you're here. Because we need people who are interested. Who want to know what God is doing in our life. And I trust that when you come here on Sunday morning, you sense that God is doing something in this place. Amen? And I trust that you are ready for God to do something in your life. And that I'm ready for God to do something in my life. You know, one of the things that we don't do much anymore that we used to do, we used to give an invitation. Remember those times? And we would ask people whether or not God had worked in their lives. And if God had worked in their lives, we'd ask them to come forward. Now, we did that for a couple of reasons. We did that so that that individual could solidify what God was doing in their lives. That's a good thing. You make it public, now you're on the hook for it, right? We did it also so that we as a congregation could support those people that God was doing something in their lives. And we need each other for that. We did it so that people coming forward who may need, have some needs could get some help. And we did it to encourage all of us as we saw what God was doing in somebody's life. Can I share with you, and I'm not being facetious here, every Sunday morning, I walk the aisle. And if I'm not walking the aisle and God's not doing something in my life, I can't expect him to do something in your life. And so every Sunday morning when I stand up here, know that I stand up here having figuratively and literally walked the aisle demonstrating that God is working in my life. Now, what's God doing in your life? Could you walk the aisle and share? I, I know. It's a hard thing to do. But the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And if we cannot give public testimony in the house of God before the people of God, we're certainly going to struggle giving it outside these walls. Amen? 
we have people who are indifferent. We have people who are involved. I am so thankful, aren't you, Stacy, for those who are involved in our children's ministry. How are we doing back there at the sign-up? Doing pretty good? Do we still have some spots left? Oh, yes. So if you'd like to be involved in children's ministry, we have a few spots left. Okay. Aren't you thankful, Pastor John, for the people involved in student ministry? Hey, man, I am thankful for the people who teach junior hires. They are a breed unto themselves. I love them. But they're different. Have you, if you're a junior hire this morning, I love you. But be it known that you're in an awkward place in your life. So be encouraged by that. There are people who are in, and we could not have the ministry that we have here at Calvary Baptist Church if we didn't have people involved. Thank you for your involvement. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you so much for giving of yourselves and serving here at Calvary Baptist Church. You know we all ought to be serving someplace. There is no retirement listed for us in the Scripture. And then there are people who are invested. I mean people who go beyond. who don't wait to find a niche that they have been asked to fill. They have invested their lives in the work of God. And many times that's illustrated through the church of God. This is what God has called them to do. I'm so thankful for those. Those people are an encouragement to me. We can be any place we want to be. We can be any of these groups. And so, where has God put you within this local assembly of believers? You know, sometimes I see the invested people looking around and say, man, there should be more folks here helping us do this work. Okay. Probably true. But I tell you, those invested people don't throw in the towel. <laughs> they just keep doing it. I'm sure that those who are involved have said at times, well, I have taught the junior high kids for 15 years, and I need a break. It happens. But look around, will you? Be encouraged. Because we're in this thing together, folks. We are a body. We are a family. We are an assembly. And we are in this together. Whoop! That ought to just make your goose pimples do push-ups. Where'd that come from? So how do we get through all of this? Judy, you said I had till when? Never mind. How do we get through this? Let me give you some principles. 
six principles that I trust will help you this morning as we build perseverance into our life. Principle number one, the enemy is real. <laughs> right? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh around, seeking whom he may devour. And one of his sharpest tools in our life is busyness. The enemy is real. He is out there to hinder God's work. And don't fool yourself. As Hal Lindsey said a number of years ago in the title of a book that he wrote, Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. He is the prince of the power of the air. He does work in those who are disobedient. Satan is real. Number two, our natural flesh will fail. <laughs> You're going to struggle. Because you live in this body that is corrupted. You live in this body that is mortal. You live in this body that struggles with stuff. I mean, I have my good days and I have my bad days. How about you? Huh? The older I get, the more bad days I seem to have. I get this shoulder playing catch with my grandboys yesterday. David, I'm not sure I could make that throw from third anymore. Our natural flesh will fail. I want to tell you that some of you folks who are a bit more senior than I am are real encouragement to me. Thank you. Thank you for Keeping on. Thank you for going through the challenges. Thank you for setting a standard for me. Thank you for your endurance. And I know some of you who aren't quite as old as I am struggle with stuff too. Thank you. But no that our natural flesh is going to fail. It's going to happen. Know that we have divine faithfulness. God is faithful. Will you say that with me this morning, please? Here we go. God is faithful. May we say it one more time, please? God is faithful. Now, when you study Scripture, discover all the ways that He is faithful. He's faithful so that we're not tempted above that we are able. But we'll with the, make it escape, a way of escape. His, his faithfulness is illustrated in the fact that we are not consumed because his mercies don't fail us. He never gives us what we deserve. Great is his faithfulness. God has not asked me to do anything that he hasn't given me the opportunity or the ability to do. We have divine faithfulness. And along with that, we have some underlying strength. 
Think about what we as Christians have. We have the Word, right? The Word, which is the sword of the Spirit. Let's try this one more time, all right? The Word, which is the sword of the... Okay, where does the Spirit live? In us, right? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, whom we have of God. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in His body and His Spirit which are ours. We have the underlying strength because of the Spirit of God. You know what the Spirit of God does? He prays for us when we don't know how to pray. He brings things to our remembrance. I don't know about you, but I need that. He teaches me in His Word. He has sealed me unto the day of redemption. He's restraining evil in this in this old world. Those are just a few of the things. That this, and he gives us the underlying strength that we need for every day of our lives. Somebody say glory. Right? Isn't it wonderful? God has given that to us so that we are not on our own. You know the old hymn, Stand Up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the Lord. There's a stanza that says in that hymn, it says, The arm of flesh will fail you, you dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Amen. Put on the gospel. We have underlying strength in our lives. I'm thankful for this next one. The race is not to the swift. <laughs> it's to those who keep on running. Remember what Paul told the believers at Corinth? Now, the believers at Corinth were struggling. They, they were a carnal church. And the believers at Corinth were not all that God wanted them to be. And Paul says this, moreover it is found in stewards that a man be found faithful. As I was playing ball with my grandboys yesterday, I was reminded of a number of things. One, my shoulder and what it always, always used to be. And number two, I don't run near as fast as I used to run. Do you believe it? I used to be a track star. Thank you for not laughing. In fact, for about 15 years, I held the record at Menford High School for the best time in the 200-yard dash. You're impressed, aren't you? I couldn't run 200 yards in the time that some of those guys can run 400 yards. But I keep running. Keep running. And lastly, be encouraged. Be encouraged. God is not finished with any of us yet. Otherwise, we'd be in glory. And God in His sovereign 
grace. That's giving to us what we do not deserve. Still has a plan for all of our lives. And he wants to fulfill that plan in your life and my life. Amen? So when you get to the place where your strength is failing, there's too much stuff, rubble, and it doesn't seem like anybody's going the same direction you're going or trying to accomplish the same purpose you're trying to accomplish. Understand that we are to persevere. We're to keep on running. We can endure. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And all God's people said, bow with me, please. Father, thank you so much for your word, truth for our lives. Encourage us now as we take these truths and apply them to our hearts for your honor and, and for your glory. And we'll thank you for all that you're going to And we'll thank you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.